0: All right, this morning we are uh, looking at 1 Corinthians 13 and we're reading from the Message Bible and I thought I would read the entire chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. It's called The Way of Love. Well, actually I'll start with chapter 12, verse 31, the last part. And it says, now I will show you the most excellent way. So Paul is writing to the church at Corinth and he's given them some... um, help in encouraging them along with the, with the gifts of the Spirit. And you know, in, in the, the chapter, the book talks about the gifts and the fruits and the administration, how that all this stuff works into the body of Christ. But he primarily focuses on verse chapter 13 and talking about what, what love is. So if I speak with human eloquence, angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but, I'm not, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So, no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up, love cares more for others than for self, love doesn't want what it doesn't have, love doesn't strut, love doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Have I lost any of you yet? (laughs) Okay? Doesn't keep score of the sins of others. I, I, I always like that one. Whenever I do uh, marriage things, uh, I, you know, perform weddings, I often stop there and say, okay, this is a prerequisite. It's not, I owe you this. <laughs> you know, don't keep score. Oh, I'll go on. Doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Doesn't revel when others grovel. Takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Puts up with anything. Trusts God always. Always looks for the best. Never looks back, but keeps going on to the end. Love never dies. Inspired speech will be over someday. Praying in tongues will end. Understanding will reach its limits. And we know only a portion of the truth. And what we say about God is always incomplete. But when the complete arrives, our incompleteness will be canceled. When I was an infant at my mother's breast, I gurgled and cooed like an infant. When I grew up, I left those infant ways for good. We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist, but it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then, see it all as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly, just as he knows us. But for right now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us toward that consummation trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, love extravagantly, and the best of the three is love. There's that extravagant love. You remember we talked about that a few weeks ago. I have to tell you this little story. Yesterday we have, you you tell we have the grandkids here, and Rachel came, brought Jack, and we have all three. (laughs) But thankful for all the help and all this stuff. But yesterday we were in the car, and uh, getting out, and I was helping uh, Jack out of the car seat, and he says, I love you, Grandpa. And I thought, well, that's pretty, that's nice. And Emma says, well, I love you more. <laughs> and then Emma says, I love you more than God weighs. I'm thinking, whoa, where did that come from? <laughs> I love you more than God weighs. I mean, you know, that's a three-year-old talking, or four-year-old talking. <laughs> I love you more than God weighs. I didn't have a comeback for that, you know. <laughs> I just kind of like, whoa, either she heard that somewhere or she had this process of go- uh, elimination going on in her head, I don't know. But we look at love and we have different concepts of it. And we have different ideas of it. We know that a child's concept is, can be measured in, in the momentary things of, of what take place like Rachel would not let her stand on the seat in front of her, so she hurt her feelings, and she was crying over there, and I wanted to hold her, and she says, no. I said, well, you know, someday you can be a singer. She says, I am. (laughs) Well, I said, you can be an artist and a singer. She says, I already am. I can be anything I want to be. And I'm looking at, the, okay, we're, we're, do, we're batting a thousand here. We're love as much as God loves, and you can be anything you want in the world. And this is a four-year-old. So, the great concepts of love are, are limited in our perspectives of them, in our concepts of them. And, you know, they're in, in her mind, in her understanding. I mean, this is it. I can see all things. I can believe all things. I can know all things. Hmm. And we, we look at this and we think of it in a childish concept. We think of it in a teen concept. We think of it in a young adult concept. We think of it in an adult and a senior life moment. What is love? Okay, I want us all to say the word love. Love. All right. Say it again. Love. All right. Now, is that love with compassion? Love? Is it Love with sarcasm? (laughs) Love. (laughs) Is it love with anger? Love you. (laughs) The word love is interpreted many times not by the dictionary, but by the emotion and the expression behind it. So whenever we say love, it is not only what the word defined in a dictionary means, it is what is conveyed in the emotion and the expression that goes with it. So the Corinthians then are having problems, and Paul is writing to them in hopes of, of the changing them and their concept and their operation of how they focus on God, how that they love God, and how that they allow God's love to work through them, and how that it is conveyed through them to helping and loving others. So as we look at this idea and this concept of what love is presented here in, in, in the Corinthians, I came across these um, understandings that love, love and the concept of what is God's love for humanity. So whenever we're thinking of God, we have to have an example. The greatest example is God's love for us. And the great scripture that goes with that is John 3.16. Now we all know that and hopefully know it in the King James Version. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I remember that one. John 3.17. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. God's coming was not to bring condemnation, but to bring salvation, restoration. So the the message Bible has, John 3.16, is this is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. So if God's desire is that we come into a relational experience with, with, with him, that we recognize our faults and our failures and know that they no longer have to influence us or be dragged along behind us, and that we believe in him, that we have this relational experience that changes everything. Love of God in Christ, (laughs) I read this, it says, his enemies could never have taken Jesus if his father had not given him. (laughs) His enemies could never have taken him if the Father hadn't given him. So, in this counsel of God, Christ is given to be the sacrifice of God for the sins of the world. A, a, the sin that he never committed, he took upon himself so that we no longer take it, we no longer carry it. And here in an unloving world, that an unloving world might know the love of a God who loves them. So, Jesus is the sacrifice of a loving God to an unloving world that an unloving world might know the love of God. Hmm. Greater love has no one than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Hmm. Let's say that word love again. Love. Hmm. Say it again. Greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. I've told you these things for a purpose that my joy might be your joy and your joy wholly mature. Didn't know that joy was mature. <laughs> that there is a maturation, there is a mat- maturity, mat- yeah, maturation, there is a maturity that comes with our life in our joy, not happiness. Happiness depends upon happenings, joy depends upon that which resides within the heart. And so this is my commandment, that you love one another the way that I love you. So whenever we begin to see about what love is, we begin to see it in the reflection of Jesus Christ and how much he loves us. And this is the very best way to love, to put your life on the line for your friends. Hmm. So, you, so we look at this, and friendship has a way of living and loving and caring and giving and seeing and receiving, and, you know, but not with keeping score and not with all those things listed in 1 Corinthians 13. Kind words can be short and easy to speak, but, e- but their echoes are endless. Kind words are easy to speak, but their echoes are endless. Endless. Hmm. You know, whenever we think of someone's love for us, whether it be our mother, or our father, or friend, their kindness continues to echo through our lives. Do you ever have someone that was, you know, that you knew really loved you and cared for you? And it's one of those things that we, we take for granted, that, you know, people who love us the most, uh, we often take for granted the most, until that love is not there, and then, of course, we miss it, and then we have this... Uh, absence, but then, but we also have the echo of that love. I remember, um, this is the first Mother's Day that we'll have without my mother, and my mother would always call, well, how was your sermon today? (laughs) She asked that every Sunday, but on Mother's Day, it was always, uh, you know, well, what did you say about mothers, you know? She wanted wanted me to know, wanted to know what I said about her. That's what she was asking, you know, and, uh, you know, and it's just one of those things that you, you, you take for granted the opportunities you have whenever you love somebody and, you, you know, they're always, always there, you know. And she's been there my entire life. Imagine that. And uh, until this last year, whenever she died. But you still have the echoes of her actions. You still have the echoes of her words. You still have those echoes of people's love in your life and the people who loved you. And how that they loved you. Whether they're still here with you that you can interact with or not. There's still the echo of their love. There's still the echo of who they are. There's still the imprint of their fingers upon your heart. That even though their hand may be gone, the imprint and the, the, you know, the DNA and the fingerprint of their life still holds your heart. And this is the, uh, the, the understanding that we have about love. That God loved us when we were unlovable. The God was still touching our life whenever we didn't love him and he loved us. For God so loved the world that he gave. So we have this image and this expression of love given to us in Christ. So the love God has for us and then we find in Luke chapter 10 describes what is to be our love for God. Luke chapter 10, verse 22. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, we know that we can love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, but I'm not touching my neighbor. (laughs) You know, they don't deserve it, they don't need it, and I don't like them. (laughs) And then you go to the scripture that says, how can you love God whom you have not seen and not love your neighbor whom you have seen? Well, that's different. If I didn't see them, I'd love them too. <laughs> and if I never saw them again, it would be I wouldn't, I wouldn't miss them one bit. <laughs> that's the McGee paraphrased, if you were wondering. <laughs> that's not in the book. <laughs> okay? That's not in the Bible. That's Dave McGee ram- ramblings, okay? But the best, we look upon God as the best of the best. You know, he, you know, when we think of what love is, in its highest and greatest context, it is God. And whenever we look at God, we look at how that he has given us everything, every opportunity. He's given us every opportunity to take this person that we are and, and, and help this person become what he created us to be. He is the most admirable. He is the infinitely perfect, most excellent God who loves us and person who cares for us above everything else. And every relationship that we have upon earth, with our families, friends, whomever, is just a dim reflection. So the greatest love that we can experience in life is a dim reflection of the love God has for us. So our love for God we we see God and we have this admiration we have this gratitude we have this expectation of how he's going to move in our life. And that's why the scriptures say that we are to praise God in every situation. Like did you ever thought, think about just praising God? You know, God, I thank you for today. I thank you for the blessings of this day. And, and, and before we even get started. Before we even get started with our day, to be thankful to God for the day. And what we're doing is we're setting in motion a gratitude of expectation that God is going to do in and through us through the day that we live. We can get up and say, this is the worst day I'll ever have in my life. And we might be right but we could maybe change it by saying this might be the best day of my life and we see things entirely differently. Hmm. Now I can't see you at all. (laughs) Oh, I see that hand. (laughs) Barely. I can't see you at all. What did I change? I just took something away. I took away my corrective lenses. Hmm. Looking at life through love, and underst- now again, you know, it isn't like the, that old song, you know, don't worry, be happy. You know, it's not that kind of flippant. Don't worry, I'm not singing, uh, <laughs> and you're happy because I'm not. But d- looking, the corrective lenses that with the lens that the corrective lens that we use for looking at life is in the book, in the scriptures, and it's through Christ. And if we have Christ in our heart and we have this expectation and we give thanks to God for this day, we are looking at it through the perspective of God's love and life and his word and that God will cause all things to come together for good, to work together for good to those who love him and who are called and experience that calling in their heart. And that calling means that there is an expectation that God is going to do something good in my life. And if you don't have that expectation, we'll allow Cassie to prepare a birthday celebration for you, even if it's not your birthday. <laughs> so our, all, of our love to God, uh, all of our love to God must be sincere and fervent, because it, how could it be anything less if we love him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind? A love that is as strong as death. A love that is knowledgeable as Christ upon the cross, and the passion. A love that we can give account of, and reason for. Not reason that he would love me because I am so whatever. Reason for he loved me because of my imperfections, and because I am a vessel and I'm a person that he, w- he died for. <laughs> so you see, as we think of Mother's Day... As we think of love, this isn't about, okay, mothers, you got to own up under this. <laughs> it's about, Christian, we need, to, we need to live up to all of this. I am asking you if you, we are this to someone who is in need, and if we are this to a person who, who is in longing and who has, has not experienced the love of God, who has not had this experience of God in their life, and you become the only Bible they ever read. And that you become the only person that reflects to them the image of God. How did you know? You know, if I look back over our life and, you know, on the farm and things, you know, people say, well, you had a hard life. My mother had a hard life. Because she took care of us that our life was easy. <laughs> you know? You know, my, I think back of when I was a child, you know, uh, we would have, the, we had the cattle and, you know, cows and milking and feeding and all that my mom did most of the, she did a lot of the work in every morning. She would be always, she was in the barn almost always first. If not first, she was pushing us out the door. She was second, you know, because <laughs> we didn't, you know, I was not wanting to get out. It's cold, you know, an old, old farming uh, um, um, cartoon. It was in the middle of winter and the thermometer's 30 below and the cow's looking at another cow and says, oh no, here comes old, Icy fingers with the water bucket, (laughs) you know, getting them ready to milk. That's a farmer joke. Anyhow, my mother would take care of all of these things, you know, feeding the cattle and taking care of the calves. She always took care of little calves, you know. She loved to take care of calves, and you know, she always made sure that they had their bottles. You know, they. You know, did you know that? You always had when you had calves, you take them off the cow after about a day or two, and then you would feed them bottles. And you would feed them a big bottle, not a little thing, you know, with the plastic jar in it so they didn't get any air. And they would be slobbering and sucking and, and all this stuff in your mouth. And they would jam that bottle. And you didn't watch. You'd get it rammed right through your stomach, you know, because they want more. And they would be pushing on it and trying to get more milk out of it. And my mother would always take care of them. Why is it that, that, that did, ladies, there was this lady at the hospital, brought in her baby. She's a nurse. She brought her baby in. And all the nurses, all the women on the entire unit left and are flocking around this kid, this baby. What is it about a baby that mothers just drop everything and go converge on the child, you know? You know? What does this kid do for you? (laughs) I mean, he can't talk. He can't say, I love you. He can't do this. He can't do anything. He just sits there and eats and, you know? And yet all the mothers are flocking to the, to the child. And, and, but isn't, why do you love? It's like you're drawn there. Well, this is the love of God. What is there about you? We would say this to ourselves. What is there about me that makes me so special that God would love me? Just as mothers are drawn to a little child and wanting to see, hold, can I hold? What, what's her name? His name? What? You know, oh, that's so cute. You know, looks just like... I did that on the way in. Looks just like, you know? What does that mean? Doesn't mean anything. It means it's a little person. But we're drawn to them. And we, we would, well, how, why would God be drawn to me? Because you're you. Just as mothers are drawn to a child, a baby, God is drawn to each of us. The love of God is revealed in the cross, 1 John 4.10 This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. So this idea of love, everybody say love. Love. This idea of love is not that we love God, but that he loves, loves, say it again, loves us. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. Love, he loved us when we had no love for him, this baby. There's no love coming out of this child for the mother. There's no love that is there from this child. You know, when Moses was uh, put in the basket and shoved out into the Nile, it was all because a mother loved and wouldn't sacrifice, wouldn't kill her baby you know all the all the uh, children of Israel they were to kill all of their sons it was the egyptian the egyptian rule and it's it, you know that's a whole different sermon but the the idea was the nile was one of the greatest gods of the egyptians and here is the god of the hebrews placing a deliverer in a basket and putting them in the mouth as it were of the Nile, with a trust that God had a purpose for what was going on. And God would send a deliverer. And you see, this is the idea that God looks at our life and he knows our future, he knows our purpose, and he loves us to the point he is calling to bring us to himself so that we can change. Love. He opened the door for us to lay our wrongdoings, our sins, our guilts, our miseries at his feet and ask him for his forgiveness and he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice to clean the way to clean away our failures and faults he loved us he loves us and his love for us is revealed upon the cross And the fourth is, love is the part of the fruits of God's spirit that he gives to us. Galatians 5.22 but, but what happens when we live God's way? So you see, what happens when children are loved? And, you know, I'd like to know what the statistics are, because sometimes kids grow up in loving homes and they just turn out bad. And there are sometimes the kids grow up in bad homes and they turn out good. But what are the percentages of people who grow up in families where they experience love? What happens to their character? What happens to their, their thinking process? What happens to them in their developmental process because they are loved? And because they have this love and they have this foundation. And maybe it doesn't come from, uh, you know, I don't know where it comes from. But it needs to come from us, and it needs to come from our life and from our experience and our acceptance and our challenges and our boundaries. Because God gives us, loves us more than we could ever imagine. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives. Living God's way brings gifts into our lives. Okay? That concept, what does it it conjure up in our mind? Uh, When I read that, I I thought of, you know what? Here's a present. You live God's way, I'll give you this. But that's not the way it is. As you read on, it says, He brings gifts into our lives much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, love, love, exuberance about life, and he goes on. How does all this this come? It comes to us the way that fruit appears in an orchard. Christ is the vine, we are the branches. The fruit of our lives, the fruit of love, is something that is as natural as apples growing on a tree. It isn't a present that we come and (laughs) stick under the tree. It is that which comes out of the tree. So as we live for God, it isn't that somebody's going to come up and give a gift to you and say, here, this is what you are, and this is is the gift I want you to unwrap and put on. This is the gift that is for you to have and work in your life. Here's a brand new car. Yes. (laughs) Here's a brand new tractor. John Deere. About you know, (laughs) yeah, farmer. Anyhow. Here's here's this gift. But you see, that's not the gift that God is giving. The gift that God is giving is something that is as natural as fruit coming on a branch. What God will do in your life, what God will do in your life, (laughs) what God will do in your life will be as natural as an apple growing on a tree. What God will do in your life is as natural as an apple growing on a tree. You'll grow it. It isn't like you're going to sit there and it's going to dump on you, fall out of the heavens. It will grow as naturally as an apple on a tree. Our new nature, you see, it grows out of our new nature. Our Our new nature runs deep deep into the nature of God. He is the vine, we are the branches. And I think I've, remember the the, the illustration about the sequoia trees, the giant sequoias? Anybody remember that one? I'm going to tell you again anyhow. (laughs) Remember the giant sequoias? How is it that these thousands and thousands of pounds of weight in these massive trees and their massive height, how can they be this way? well it's their root system their root system is interconnected and if one tree at the edge of the forest is in has its ha, is at the water source it will transfer that water through the entire root system to the one at the furthest end and that that root system isn't just you know if you go around you see a tree that's blown over or whatever you see it toppled over and there's this root Around, around it maybe 10 or 15 feet out, a big tree. Well, the giant sequoias, they're interconnected the whole way across the forest and that their root system is maybe 10 feet deep so that when the wind blows, they are drawing upon an entire root system that is connected to all the other trees. And it's connected and it's 10 feet deep, so it's almost like a trampoline that whenever the weight of that tree pushes down, it doesn't drive it through the root system, it, the root system supports it. And, and if you put dye in the outside, you know, on the tree on the furthest out, it will work, that dye will work its way through the almost the, not the entire root system, but through a lot of the root system of other trees. We are the body of Christ. Each one of us, Has giftings for the entire body. And what you are is a support system and nourishment to other individuals. And what other individuals are is a support system and nourishment to you. And no matter what your gifts, no matter what your abilities, what you do is as natural as natural as an apple growing on a tree. Love, mothers, you love. It's as natural as apples growing on a tree. Why do all those ladies gather around the baby? It's as natural as apples growing on a tree. Why is it that you can sing, and some can sing well, and some can give well, some can do this, some can do that? It's as natural as apples growing on a tree to you. See, that's the giftings of God working in your life. So, what apples do you have? (laughs) And just think about how many different kinds of apples there are. And then there's pear trees, and then there's orange trees, and then there's tangerine trees. <laughs> and what's a tangerine? A mixture of apple, not apples and oranges. It's a mixture of, of different kinds of oranges. You know. Then there's hybrids, and then there's. <laughs> but you see, we're all different, but yet similar. We all have a place. We all have a purpose. We have an inner connection. Everybody say love. Hmm. God's love for you. God's love for you is expressed through his word. And as we look at the scriptures, we want to see things a little more clearly. Look at what he says about love. and Let me read it again. If I speak with human eloquence, an angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but create, but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So, No matter what I say, what I believe, what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Love doesn't have a swelled head. Doesn't force itself on others. Isn't always me first. Doesn't fly off the handle. Doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Doesn't revel with when others grovel. Takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Puts up with anything. Trusts God always. Always looks for the best. Never looks back. But keeps going to the end. Love never dies. Love never dies. It is an echo that we will hear throughout eternity. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. That little one in the back heard that echo. God loves you. Just the faintest echo, we all heard it. The echo of a child. On a mother's shoulder. The echo of God in our hearts is always there. God love. God loves me Again, God loves me. Again. God loves me. Shall we stand? <laughs> Father, we are grateful to you for your love that speaks to us of life, of forgiveness. Speaks to us, Lord, of strength and hope. Speaks to us of our future and not our past. A love that sees what we can become, not what we've done wrong. A love that opens doors of opportunity. A love that opens to us life and power and strength, grace and mercy. A love, O God, that will never die. Thank you, Lord, for loving us and helping us to understand it within our hearts, within our minds, within our soul. Thank you, God, for loving me. God, in this moment, we confess our sin. We ask you to forgive us and live within our hearts. We ask you, O oh God, to make us new creatures, new creations in Christ Jesus where old things pass away and behold, all things become new. God, we ask you to forgive us. And God, those who are in need of a divine touch, of a healing touch, I know we've already asked, but Lord, we ask again for you to touch them in Jesus' name. Amen.